Good morning. Our passage this morning in Hebrews chapter 10, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 1 through 10, will be the verse range for this morning. We're speaking on the subject of body for a sacrifice, a body for a sacrifice. And again, this blows the mind that Christ As Mark said, Christ, the the son of God, would desire to to come into the world and to take on a body, to take on a body of of his creation, submit himself to to the body that that he created uh, is is mind-blowing. And and I pray that uh, as we set our thoughts upon this passage here in Hebrews here this morning, that really points to the reality and purpose in which Christ came. I pray that our hearts are stirred uh, even more. So look with me at Hebrews chapter 10, verses 1 through 10. We'll read here the Hebrew writer's thoughts concerning Christ and the necessity of his incarnation. Verse 1. For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of these realities, it could never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered since worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sins? But in these real in, in these sacrifices, excuse me, there is a reminder of sins every year, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, "Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings, you have." taking no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. When he said, Above, you have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings, these are offered according to the law. Then he added, Behold, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first in order to establish the second. And by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. This is God's holy word. Uh, Christmas can be summed up in this manner. Christmas is all about the Son, the Son of God coming into the world to accomplish the Father's will by offering himself as a sacrifice for the sins of his of his people. That is the Christmas story all summed up. It's about Christ. It's about Christ coming into the world to do 
what man could never do, to do what sacrifices could never do, to do what religious service could never do. This is why Christ came into the world. And this is what Christmas is all about. Christ took on a body and and and, and he eventually died at, at Calvary to pay for all of our sins once and for all. God, this this was God's will. This this, this is this this is God's will. God's will is that Christ will come into the world, live a perfect life, a die sacrificial death. And guess if, if, if that is God's will for Christ, God's will is not for you to live a perfect life. God's will for you is not for you to go and to do works in order to please God. God's will is summed up in Jesus Christ. And, 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 and it's, it's God's will that Jesus would, would come and, and pay the ultimate price and be the ultimate sacrifice to cover all of our sins. And so as we turn our thoughts to our passage here today, our passage is part of the, the argument, the extended argument. And really, the, the author of Hebrews is getting ready to close out his argument about the preeminence of Jesus Christ. He's getting ready to close out his argument and began to go into the practical application, the practical application of, of, of living uh, and trusting in Jesus Christ. But before he goes there, he makes one final argument, one final argument about the the, the necessity of, of, of Christ. And, and he points back to Psalm 40 and the fact that Christ, uh, it was prophesied uh, in, in the Old Testament that Christ would come into the world. He would take a body. He would come into the world to in order to obey his father's will. And so this passage is, is, an, is, is an extended argument. He's closed. The writer's closing out his argument. And what he's doing is giving these, these Jewish believers uh, who are considering uh, to uh, considering to turn away from Christ. He, he wants them to understand the supremacy of Christ and the superiority of the new covenant in which Christ mediates over the old. So look with me at the, the verse number one. And we will see here in verses one through four, we'll look, we'll see the, the failure of the, of the old, uh, of the old sacrificial system of the old, old covenant. We, we'll see the failure of the old and, 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 uh, uh and I know you're saying we've already gone through this uh, and we've already talked about some of these things uh, again and again. But but, beloved, you are blessed to, to be able to to uh, meditate upon and to think about time and time again, the, the, the Christ and his sacrifice. It is a blessing for us to do that. It is a blessing for us to, to, to take time to, to comprehend and digest truth over and over again that we heard perhaps even yesterday, hear the truth over and over again. It is a blessing for us. It is a blessing for us. So I don't want you to sit here and, and think that we've talked about this already. Engage your mind. When, when I was in school and, and taking a, a, a class on studying the Bible on inductive Bible study. One of the things that the, that was said is that it, w w when you study the Bible, when, when you, and I think it was Howard Hughes that, uh, that said this, when, when you study the Bible 
You and each time you pick up the, the, the Bible to study it, you want to approach it as if this is the first time. And I want you to do the same here this morning as if this is the first time I've read of this. This is the first time I've heard of this. Because this is the, the, the respect that we are to give to God's word, regardless if you heard it before. Amen. This is God's holy word. And it was inspired by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit saw it necessary to repeat these things over and over again. And if the Holy Spirit saw fit to do it, amen, let's go through it. Verse, verse number one, we'll see here the affair though. Verse one, for since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of these realities. We're going to stop here. We, we've ran across this word shadow before. Shadow refers to uh, the, the outline or the, the, the shadow cast by uh, an, an object, which is the reality. It's, it's like uh, an, an artist. Uh, my wife is, is an artist. She, she draws, she's paint, she paints. And, uh, and, and I went up and I went up and I saw her the other day doing a, doing a, a sketch, an outline. And she, what she was doing was preparing to paint. Uh, she was getting ready to paint a picture, but in order to paint the picture, she started with an outline and you can see in the outline somewhat of the of what she's getting ready to paint the 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 outline and the the shadow in which in a sense what she was drawing was was a, a picture it was part of the picture it, it wasn't it wasn't like it's, it's not needed it was needed in order to 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 bring about the 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 picture that that she had desired it's not the actual picture it's not the actual completion of the picture but it's nevertheless part of the painting as a whole. And so a shadow uh, is an is a object that is not the reality, but it points to the reality. And we, we've, we've talked about this, we've gone over this in, in Hebrews chapter 8, uh, verse 5, where we saw that the first, the, the, first uh, the, the tabernacle, the first covenant tabernacle was a shadow, uh, the writer says, of the, the heavenly things. Uh, and now what the author does is he takes this and apply it to, to, to the law itself. So the tabernacle and the things in the tabernacle was a shadow uh, of the, the heavenly things. And, and the law, the, the, the Mosaic law, the ceremonial law itself was, was, was a shadow uh, itself. The, the Mosaic law with all its rituals and ceremonies and, and the sacrifices, it, it was only a shadow. And this is an important part of the, the author's argument. It was a shadow. It was a dim resemblance. It wasn't the, the, the very thing. And, and notice what the author says. He says that these are true form of these realities, the, the good things to come. The, the good things uh, is, is the sacrifice in which Christ would offer and the blessings of the new covenant in which all of those who embrace Christ by faith would it would it experience these these are the good things to come the law was simply a shadow it, it 
It, it was a. It, it wasn't the 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 uh, blessings itself. It was just a shadow of, of the blessings. And, and and why is that? Why why a law? Why why the ceremonial law? What well, the law purpose? There was only one purpose for the law, and the law was to to bring those who were under it. It was a, it was like a tutor, a schoolmaster. It was like a guardian. To, to bring them to Christ, Galatians chapter three, verses, uh, verse number 24. It, it was a simply, it was a schoolmaster. And so the writer says that the law has but a shadow of the good things to come. But, but notice the, the limitations of the sacrifices that the law demanded. Look what, look at, look at the limitations. We're, we'll see that the, the Old Testament sacrifices uh, involved repetition. And this is the limitation. It, the, the writer says, he says, it, it, it can never, talking about the, the ceremony, the Mosaic law, the ceremonial law, it can never. And, and when, he's, when he says this, he, he's almost saying, it was never able. It, it was never able to do this. It, it, it can never. It was never able by the same sacrifices, he says, that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. The term perfect here is again a term we've ran across before, and it is it, and it is always used in this sense, perfect in a sense to make a the, the worshiper of God perfect, to make the, the worshiper of God fit to have a permanent relationship with God. Notice what the writer said. He says, uh, they, uh, the, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. It's implied here that there are those who draw near. There are those who, are, who draw near to God. Uh, uh, and it is the, the the people of Israel. This is this is what it is referring to the the worshiper. Uh, uh, the, the worshiper drew drew near to God through the the Levitical priesthood. And and so the the the, the writer said it can never by the same sacrifices. He, there there is some logic in looking at and observing the sacrificial system there there's there's wisdom that 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 can be gained by observing the the sacrificial the old covenant sacrificial system and the logic is inescapable you can't get away from this the, the writer said you can't get away from what is the logical conclusion of seeing sacrifices offered year by year, and here, here's the 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 the, the logic: it, 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 it is that they were these sacrifices were continually repeated, offered to to God according to to the to the Mosaic law, according to the law. The writer is saying uh, these these continual sacrifices could not make the the covenant worshiper of God, the one who who came to to worship God, that these. Repeated sacrifices couldn't make them fit to draw near to God in a, in a way that was 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 permanent, where they could enjoy uh, 
fellowshipping with God in a, in a permanent way. These sacrifices offered again and again could not, it could never, it was never able to do this, to make the, the worshiper perfect. Perfectly fit to worship and to fellowship intimately with the Holy God. It doesn't matter how sincere a person was. It doesn't matter if they offer sacrifices continually without interruption, one sacrifice after another. It doesn't matter. If they did that, these offering these sacrifices were just a shadow. That's all it was. You can do it over and over again, and you're all you're doing is pointing to the reality of Christ who will come and be the ultimate sacrifice. It was estimated, you talk this this uh this verb phrase continually offered every year is it's uh it, it points to to the reality that uh it was it was said by by the time the temple was built and as they offered lambs on uh, the for the Passover, it, it was est- it's been estimated that at least three hundred thousand lambs would be killed over the course of one week. Three hundred thousand. This is just one week, <laughs> and and and. This was going on, this continual offering of, of bulls and, and goats and lambs and, and, and all that was offered going on over. So there were millions, millions of animals that were killed and blood was shed. And the writer saying, all of that, it doesn't matter. Millions upon millions will not make the worshiper perfect. It will not make the worshiper fully uh, acceptable. Reality points to the sufficiency of what Christ has done with a one-time sacrifice. One sacrifice compared to millions and millions and millions of sacrifices. Christ's sacrifice made us fit to fellowship with God, the sacrifices of the old covenant did not, no matter how many it was. So the the, the, the old covenant, it, it was it it, it 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 wasn't perfect in in a sense that it didn't provide a perfect worshiper. And 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 also it couldn't take away the consciousness of sin. Verse two, otherwise would they not have ceased to be offered since the worshipers having once been cleansed would no longer have any consciousness of sin? Logically, if the sacrifices remove sin, they would cease to be offered year after year. If, 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 if one sacrifice, an animal sacrifice, whatever, if it, if it took care of sin, then the, sacrificial system would have ceased to exist. Christ 
would not have to come into the world if the sacrifices did their job. Having once been cleansed here is it's in the perfect tense, a passive perfect, which means that it's, it points to a completed action with continuing results. Or, or this is a having been cleansed. This is a permanent cleansing. If the if the sacrifices brought about permanent cleansing, then they would cease. There would have been a uh, uh, there would have been. Uh, no need to offer repetitive sacrifices over and over again. But the writer saying the, the repetition of sacrifices proved that they were imperfect, that they were ineffective uh, in, in cleansing the conscience and, and doing away with sins. And so the priests, every year, they offered sacrifices year after year. And, 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 and all of these, these sacrifices, all of the sacrifices reveal uh, to God's people that uh, they didn't have permanent peace with him, uh, that it pointed to, to, to the fact that, that there was still uh, a sacrifice that, that would come that would fulfill these Old Testament sacrifices. But I want to focus on this, this fact that it said that these sacrifices could not perfect the conscience uh, of, of, in, in a way that it would rid them of guilt. Listen to Robert uh, Govet and talking about uh, the sacrificial system and, 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 and the repetitive nature of offering sacrifices over and over again. Listen to what he says. He says, quote, he who is obligated to take medicine every hour to keep life in him cannot be said to be cured, end quote. So if you say if you're sick and you're you were prescribed a certain medication and you have to take that medication over and over again and you say that I'm here that I'm good no you're not if you're taking a medication I have to take drops from my eyes every day and that I'm taking the drops and that means that something is wrong with my eyes because <laughs> I got to take these. If I stop taking the drops, then my eyes get dry and I, I, I look all crazy. But the, the, uh, uh, Robert uh, Govet said, you know, looking at the sacrifice because they're offered over and over again, he said that there remains a problem. There, there's a problem that remains. Listen to Albert Barnes. And, and what he said in his commentary, and it's quite lengthy because I think it, 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 he says it better than I can say it. Notice what he said, quote, if what is given to a patient heals him, there is no need of repeating it. But if it is repeated often, it shows that there was something deficiency in it. And if taken periodically through a man's life uh, and the disease should still remain, it will show that there is not sufficient, uh, that, uh, that in it was not sufficient to effect his cure. And then he added this, quote, if their sacrifices had so availed as to remove their past sins 
and to procure forgiveness, they would have had no more trouble conscience on account of them. They would not have felt that it was necessary to make these sacrifices over and over again in order to find peace. When a man has full evidence that an atonement has been made, which will meet all the demands of the law and which secures the remission of sin, he feels that it is enough. It is all, he says, it is all that, uh, that the case demands and his conscience may have peace. In other words, if there was a sacrifice and it was Christ, that's, that's why we don't feel it necessary to go and find a temple or build a temple in order to offer sacrifices to, to God again, because our conscience has been satisfied. Our conscience has been rid of guilt because of what Christ has done. His one time sacrifice has accomplished the, the necessary work in order to make us fit to, to be uh, worshipers of God. We don't need to go back and offer sacrifice. We, we understand that. And that's what uh, Albert Barnes is saying. He said, if, if, if the one sacrifice had done its, its doing, if they understood that it, that it accomplished the purpose, they wouldn't have offered prices over and over again. But he goes on, he says, but when he does not feel this, he has not evidence that his sins are all forgiven. Those sins will, will rise to remembrance and he will be alarmed. He may not be punished for them all. Thence it follows that if a man wants peace, he should have a good conscience that his sins are forgiven through the blood of the atonement. And this is once again points to the the, the preeminence of Christ and the, just the greatness of his sacrifice that we do not feel it necessary to go and to take bulls and goats and offer them to God. One sacrifice, one sacrifice by Christ has accomplished that. So why is it that they had, they offered sacrifices and, and the law uh, stipulated that they offer sacrifices for sins. Look at verse number three. It says, but if, uh, but in these sacrifices, what sacrifices? The sacrifice that the law requires. But in these sacrifices, there is a, re a reminder of sins every year. And this is God's overall purpose for the sacrificial system. This is God's old, uh, God's whole purpose for the old covenant and uh, a sacrificial system. It was to remind the people of their sins year after year. It was to bring to their minds again and again. Uh, it was to paint a vivid picture of the consequences of sin. Romans 6 uh, verse 23 says the wages of sin is death. And as they offered these sacrifices that were commanded by the law, it was repetitive in their minds. They understood this is the penalty for sin year after year, uh, uh, time and time again. And this is important for us to understand because we can forget our sinfulness. We can forget the sinfulness of sin and begin to 
began to kind of paint it in a way that that makes it look good. This, this is not a big sin. This is not a the sin that, you know, like it's like a Jeffrey Dahmer who went out and killed people. You know, I just this is a little sin. But under the old covenant, they had a reminder whenever animal uh, was slain and it shed blood, they had a constant reminder of the, the consequences of their sin and how serious God took every sin that they committed. The, the sacrificial system, it would not allow God's people to forget the heinousness of sin. And this is why God instituted according to the Mosaic law. And so not only did the sacrifices offered uh, in, in a repetitive sense, not only did the, the Old Testament sacrifices maintain a, a consciousness of sin, a constant awareness of, of sin, but also the Old Testament sacrifices, they, they simply couldn't take away sin. And, and this is the reason why it was repeated over and over again. The writer, the Hebrew writer now concludes, look at verse four. He says, for it is impossible for, blood, for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. This is a, this is a hammer. Remember, this, is these, this, this, uh, this, this letter is writing to Jews who are tempted to go back to the sacrificial system. And the, and the author now concluding his argument, he, he takes the hammer and he, he now smashes. He smashes their uh their logic for going back he says it, it's impossible what why go back to the old covenant sacrificial system for it is impossible for animals to be enough to cleanse you of your sin well, why go back to animal sacrifices and why is this important man is made in the image of god I don't care what you do with an animal. An animal cannot rise to the level that uh, of humanity because they're created. They're, they're created. They're lower than than humanity. So any sacrifice, any animal sacrifice that you that that is offered for a man or woman or boy or girl that is made in the image of God. It's not going. It's not going to do it because it doesn't rise to the. It doesn't rise to 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 the standard of of being man. This is animals, and 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 also, God required man to obey, not animals. The wages of sin is death for man, not animals. Bulls and goats or any animal, they, they could not offer what God required. Listen to Richard Phillips. He said this, quote, he said, these were dumb and unwilling animals that were being sacrificed for willing, volitional sins of spirit, of spirit bearing human beings, end quote. So it, it doesn't matter how many sacrifices of animals that are that are being offered again and again, these sacrifices, these animal sacrifices will not 
do uh, any, uh, would not do what is required uh, of cleansing man of sin because man is human and only human blood can cleanse human sin. It, so looking at these, these sacrifices, the worshiper would have understood, oh, I need a sacrifice that can that that is like me that can deal with my sin. That would have been the cry of the worshiper of Israel. But instead, these 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 Jewish Christians, they're they're tempted. They're tempted to go back to 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 to, to animals. And, and the author said, that's foolish. It's impossible. And this is important for us to note as well, because we're tempted to trust in our own right, uh, our own vain sacrificial system rather than in Christ alone. We 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 as uh, followers of, of Christ need to see the futility of legalism, of, of, of being religious, of, of doing good deeds and, and acts of service as and, and doing this in a, in a way that that is a Christ substitute, that 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 is a Christ substitute some way. I, I, I substitute Christ for myself. And what I do. In, in order to please God, we, we need to see the futility. And this is what the writer is 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 implying here see the futility of doing anything anything to be pleasing to God apart from faith in Jesus Christ and so I want to ask you before we go to the next section are you fully convinced that Christ is sufficient do you live that way do you live in a way that shows that Christ is sufficient that he has done a sufficient work for you do you live that way? And so now the, the writer of Hebrews turned his audience, he turns them again to Christ. And this is what every good preacher does. He eventually turns the audience to Christ. And notice, we, now we, we see the provision. We see the provision now. Christ offered his body. Look at verse number five. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, this is a reference to the incarnation. Christ, who always existed, who always was, this uh, Christ, who is God, the Son of God, he came into the world, the writer says. And what, what was the purpose? He came into the world to accomplish his saving work. Matthew 1, 23, that was read earlier. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. He, he is none other. Christ, when he came into the world, he is none other than God. And, and he came into the world to save of sins. Verse 21 of Matthew 1 says, you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from sins their sins at the very beginning they got the message right why is it that christ has come into the world to save his people of their sins we need to get the message right it ain't about presence and all of those good things it's about christ who is the greatest gift that has been given not just to all of us, 
but given to all of the world to come to and to believe. If only they believe. If only they believe. And people around here got lights and all of that on their house. There's nothing wrong with that. But remember the true light. Jesus Christ, who is the light of the world. Who voluntarily, who, who voluntarily came into the world. He, he took on human nature, took on a human body. And, and he voluntarily refused to or refrained from using uh, his his attributes as, as deity. You'll find that in Philippians chapter two, verse six to eight. This is this is the this is who we're talking about. Christ, uh, the, the uh, Christ, the son of God who came into the world. And so now with that being said, the author now cites Psalm 40 verses six through eight. Traditionally, this psalm has been uh, is a, is ascribed to David, but if if uh, we we notice closely, uh, David couldn't fulfill everything that Psalm verse forty verse six through eight uh, has said. David couldn't fulfill these words. The, these these words are are uh, fulfilled by the Messiah, the Messiah who. A Christ who would supersede the sacrificial system. And so the writer of Hebrews, he, he, he cites this passage as the words of Christ. Even though the, if you turn back to Psalm, we won't read it because uh, we're going to we'll deal with it here in our passage. Psalm 40, verse 68 is it's attributed to David. But these these words, uh, according to the Holy Spirit here in Hebrews, are attributed to Jesus Christ. And so the, the, and the focus uh, of, of these verses is the will of God as it pertains to sin. And so we, we, we can answer the question, does God want animal sacrifices? No, we, we'll see why. Notice what the writer says, referring to Christ. He said, referring to Christ, sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body have you prepared for me? Now, before we, we get to, to explain this, there's an a interpret, a interpretational challenge that, that we need to, to point out here. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 5 says, A body uh, have you prepared for me? And this is quoted for the Septuagint, which is the Greek version uh, of the Old Testament. But if you go back to Psalm 40, verse 6, it says there it says something different. It says you have given me an open ear here in Hebrews. It says you have prepared a body. But in Psalm 40, verse 6, it says you have given me an open ear. How do how do we deal with this? How, how do we how do we reconcile uh, this issue? Well, I, both. Both of these are referring to uh, they're emphasizing obedience, right? When it says of here in Hebrews, a body have you prepared for me is pointing to uh, Christ and, and his willing obedience to, to the father to come into the world. In Psalm, in Psalm 40, verse six, when it says you have given me an ear, this is a Hebrew way or a Hebrew way of saying, uh, pointing to obedience. 
this is a reference to God's opening the ear and and uh, bringing a person into complete obedience. Uh, this this is this is this is what the both of these if to, in order to reconcile both of these, we, we do it by saying that they point they both point to obedience, complete obedience. And this is what the writers are, are getting at. And so here in our text is, is pointing to Christ's voluntary, obedient submission to the Father, to the will of the Father, to, to the will of the Father. As a matter of fact, John 6, verse 38 says this. We, we know this, for I have come down from heaven, Jesus says, not to do my own will, but to do what? The will of him who sent me, pointing to the obedience of Jesus Christ, the necessity of, of, of Christ's obedience. And in order for, for Christ, the Son of God, to accomplish the Father's will in going and making the, the final sacrifice for his people, he had to have a body. In order for Christ to come from heaven uh, in, in eternity past, when God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, uh, they 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 made the plan of 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 salvation. When, in in that plan, it required Christ to come into the world. In order for Christ to come into the world to accomplish that that plan, Christ had to have a body. He had to he had to have a body. He 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 had to uh, with a body. He could do for his people what animal sacrifices were, were unable to do. He could live a perfect, sinless human life. He could die a substitutionary death. And he could do this because he had a body. And notice it says a body. That contrasts the sacrifices and offerings. One body versus the many sacrifices and offering. There were many sacrifices and offering, but they couldn't deal with sin. Only Christ and his uh, his coming and dying with the human body dealt with sin in finality. And notice verse six, it says in burnt offerings and sin and offerings, you have taken no pleasure. What, what, what God desired is perfect obedience, not sacrifices that were used to cover disobedient not offering of sacrifices that were just merely outward behavior and david captures this 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 idea in 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 psalm 51 verses 6 through 7 psalm 51 16 through 17 it says this, uh, for you will not delight in sacrifice or I would give it. You will not be pleased with burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh, God, you will not despise these. What is it that God is ultimately after? It is a heart of obedience. This is why the, the sacrificial system was imposed. And they were to obey it because it pointed to the ultimate perfect obedience of Jesus Christ. 
1 Samuel, verses, uh, 1 Samuel 15, verses 22 says, And Samuel said, Has the Lord uh, a great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen than the fat of rams. All right, it goes on in verse 7 of Hebrews chapter 10. He says, Then I said, Behold, I have... I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. This verse expresses the, the commitment and the eagerness of Christ to do the Father's will. His obedience to God was, was not like going through the, the ritual of offering a sacrifice. Uh, it wasn't a simple matter of just Christ going through the religious motion. No, Christ wanted to obey God. He, he wanted to obey his father. In verse 8, it says, when he said above, you have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offering and burnt offerings and sin offering, these are offered according to the law. Talking about the, the, old, uh, the, the old covenant. But look at verse number 9. This is uh, pointing to, to Christ. Then he added, behold, I have come to do you, your will. Christ would obey perfectly. And, and, and the writer says he does away with the first in order to establish the second. And no, listen to what he's saying. No longer is the first covenant in effect. Uh, no longer is the first covenant with this constant reminders of sin and, and guilt. No longer is that first covenant in effect. Now the second covenant is in effect. It, the, the, the second covenant is in effect in, uh, through Jesus Christ. And in that covenant, uh, in which we are a part of, it's, it, there is no condemnation. Uh, that there is no condemnation in Christ. Sins have been dealt with. There is no guilt. There is no guilt. Where there is no guilt, there is no condemnation. And it's all because Christ took on a body and came into the world. And one writer noted this. He says, many believers, Lord Jesus sacrificed to such a temporary and imperfect sacrifice. He gives an example. He says, when they celebrate communion, they feel guilty about their sins instead of confessing their guilt and realizing that Jesus has already offered the one sacrifice that affected complete reconciliation with God. He says, when you think of Christ, it should not make you sad, but full of joy. But because every time you think of him, you are reminded of the fact that he bore your guilt in your place, end quote. Hallelujah, we have Christ who, who, who came into the world to do his Father's will, to take away the first in order to establish the second, the new covenant. And what are the benefits for us? Verse 10, this is a start until next week. And by uh, the week uh, when I get back, and by that, will we have uh, by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. 
This, this, this is why Christ came into the world. His one sacrifice accomplished. He, it, it accomplished sanctification once and for all. And, and this, is, this is God's will. This is God's will that, that through him, that through Christ, all believers have been made sanctified. We have been sanctified in Christ. And so as I close, you may come to church feeling guilty. You may come to church thinking that God would not accept you. But our text tells us that Jesus Christ, he, he, he makes perfect those who trust in him. He, Jesus Christ can take the worst sinner. He can take the worst sinner and make them perfect. A Jeffrey Dahmer. I think it was said of Jeffrey Dahmer that eventually he came to Christ. That would be impossible for us to imagine but apart from what Christ has done on the cross. He can save the worst. If you feel like the worst sinner, if you feel like the, 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 that, that you are lower than any other person in this building, Christ in Christ, if you're a believer in Christ, you've been made whole. You've been perfected. You've been made perfect. You've been sanctified. And you say, well, I just don't feel like it. I don't feel perfect. It's not about feeling. That's what we're going to get into in Hebrews chapter 11 about faith. It's not about what you feel. It's about what the Bible says about how God sees you in Christ. That, 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 is, that is what matters. It, it doesn't matter what, what other people think about you. What matters is what God thinks about you as a person who is unified with his son, Jesus Christ. That, that's what matters. Again, the holidays are days in which people feel depressed and, and times in which people are, are thinking about committing suicide. It's one of the biggest things that we, uh, when the Christmas time came about in the military, was we, we, we had suicide prevention classes because they were anticipating and we've had, had people commit suicide. But our suicide prevention, this is our suicide prevention right here. And it tells us, it gives us the good news of Jesus Christ. What, what wonderful suicide prevention. Christ has come into the world to make us acceptable to God and to deliver us. Life in this world will not be perfect. Life in this world will, will be tough, will suffer. But one day, Christ, because of what he has done in a human body, 
He came and lived a perfect life. He died a sacrificial death because of that. And he was raised and he ascended to heaven as the God man because of that reality. One day, even though it's tough, we're going to be with we're going to be with Christ. We're going to be with him. That that is what that is what Christmas. We don't want to stop short at the manger because the manger takes us all the way to heaven. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for the school of theology that you take us through in your word in order for us to to comprehend something of what you have done when you sent Christ into the world. When you, you, it, uh, John 3.16 said for you, for you so loved the world that you that you gave your your only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life you gave your son you you sent your son to come into the world to 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 take on a human body to to be to come into the world and be born as a little baby in a, a a little baby who who grew in in Mary's womb. We're talking about the God who who created all things, who sustained all things, being being uh, being cared for in the womb of the, the of a created being that that He created, and and then being born. And the one who has the power to do all things submitted himself as a little baby. Submitted himself to be helpless, to be cared for by a human being in which he would redeem. Oh, the greatness of your grace toward us, oh God the greatness of your salvation toward us. It is past comprehension. I cannot comprehend Christ, the, uh, the Christ, the Son of God, coming into the world and taking on a body. I can't comprehend that. But I embrace that as good news for me and for this congregation and for those who are listening. And for those who desire to know Christ, who don't know Christ. You don't have to live perfect. Just trust in Christ. Embrace Christ. Acknowledge that you could never please God in your ability. Trust in Christ. We thank you, Father. Thank you for this this wonderful truth. This timeless truth that is in that is that we find here in your word. And may this truth keep us all and and, and give us joy for the sake of, of Christ and what he has accomplished. May we never be little Christ by turning away from him and being tempted to, to work our way into pleasing you. Thank you, Father. I thank you for this congregation. And as uh, we depart and leave tomorrow. I pray that you will keep everyone safe. 
that you would keep all who who come here and 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 and, and attend worship here. I pray that you would keep them all safe and that you would, by your grace, grow them all. And so that when we return, we will find them uh, growing in Christ. Thank you, Father. Thank you for this congregation. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.